Look, oh, four. Picked up. Oh, there you go. Richard Washington. You got to be able to do that. You got to be able to take some shots because you can't make them all, but then you got rebounds. Slade, and then he tried to get him over, but he took the worst of that one. Oh! Tamrick Fields! Close to close. He did not now like getting dunked yeah, on. Yeah, there we go. Now you playing. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Q. Heard a little slam ball action right there. The Rumble versus the Wrath. That was four days ago. Richard Washington. Then you heard Tamrick Fields on the back end of that again. Uh, that was the Rumble versus the Wrath four days ago. And the Rumble head coach is my friend, Coach Ken Carter. And he joins us now on the phone lines, kicking off hour number three of the show. And, Coach, how you doing, man? It was great to catch up with you last week. Man, I am absolutely terrific, Q. <laughs> I know that's right. And, you know, Coach, I didn't realize that you were part of Slam Ball when Slam Ball was around back in the day, and now you're back, you're part of Slam Ball again. What is it about Slam Ball that, that, that you're so intrigued by? Man, it's like a human video game. I mean, you take soccer, basketball, football, and you put them all together, and guess what? Uh, you got a gumbo of, of, of sports all together. <laughs> and, and the greatest thing about it, the more you let it simmer, the better it gets. <laughs> I know that's right. And, you know, Coach, seeing seeing the action the other night at, at Cox Pavilion, it looked like it was a, a lot of fun. So how much fun are the players having? How much fun are you having coaching them up? Man, it is absolutely awesome. That's what people don't – what people have to really understand. This is a really fun game. And the players, the coaches, even management are having fun with this. And it is just absolutely terrific. And it's giving, a, uh, uh, you know, 100 new guys a chance to uh, uh, play a, a professional sport and get paid for it. And this is one of the most enjoyable sports ever because you can be five foot five, jump on the trampoline and dunk the ball and feel like you're seven feet tall. So it's, it's absolutely amazing. They asked me if I wanted to get on a trampoline, and I thought I did until I saw it, and then I realized that, no, my knees don't need any of that. Coach, have you got an opportunity to get on the on the trampoline yet? Oh, of course. Every day I jump on, <laughs> on the trampoline. It, 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 you know, from a, being a, a old-school hooper, it just never leaves your blood. And so, um, you know, you'd be trying to explain things to uh, these young athletes these days. And sometimes they just don't get it. So you have to just really go out and show them. Sometimes and, you, you do. know, I'm 64 years old now, Q, so <laughs> I, <laughs> it's not like it. This just happens automatically. So, um, But I'll be really careful, but uh, we, we just get it done. Uh, the kids are, are really well conditioned, so people would think that you would have a lot of injuries. We really don't. No, that's good. That really is good. And, and yeah, it's not as easy as it looks. And I, I can tell how good a shape these guys are in just being there up close and personal. Again, we're talking to Coach Ken Carter, the real Coach Ken Carter, here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So, Coach, what is it about just coaching? You know, you do a fantastic job. We've seen you in the high school levels. We've seen you, you know, mentoring coaches or players. We've seen you, you know, do motivational speaking. It's, it's always uplifting other people. What is it that drives you to want to do that? You know what, young man, uh, I spend a lot of time with kids, and I tell them just like this. Kids are one-third of our population, but they're 100% of our future. And, Q, if we want our Social Security checks, we got to produce a good product. 
<laughs> yes, you're you're not you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong about that. But it's it's something about it, coach. You always you know even with my son, you know you took him up to Baylor and you helped him shoot around and, and kind of got familiar with him. And he remembers that to this day. Like he was so happy to see you the other day just because he remembers that. And I'm sure you have a lot of interaction with players like that that you've just kind of taken under your wing and just helped mentor them. Yes, sir. But believe it or not, if I'm driving somewhere and I see a pickup game, I actually stop and play with the kids. Nice. Nice. And it is just amazing how they, with their, with, the, with their cell phones, you know, it's eight kids they're playing. And they go like, hey, we're playing with the real Coach Carter. And within 20 minutes, you know, there's 300 kids there. It is absolutely amazing. How does that and, make uh, you – how does that make you feel when you know that, you know, your your name carries that kind of weight? Well, I just think they know they're going to get a victory. See? <laughs> <laughs> they think they say, Coach, you're old now. Back in the day, you was the bum, but you're old now. Uh, but you know what? It's just the kids, uh, you know, I, I just really enjoy young people. And, um, you know, a lot of people think I'm some old guy. I said, Samuel Jackson uh, Mr. Samuel Jackson is old. I said, uh, I'm a digital character. So uh, I just simply get it done. And Q, I, you know, I lift weights every day and I run every day. And, uh, you know, it's a process, uh, you know, because everywhere I go, every kid challenges me. Right. Everywhere I go. Doesn't matter. I was just in Detroit. Like, yo, coach, I hear you used to be the shit back in the day. But, hey, I got one for you. I go, hey, let's play for it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, some, some old habits just die hard, Q. So long as I can compete, Q, and uh, the kids uh, enjoy it, and they all have a story, you know what I mean? So when they leave, they got a Coach Carter story. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, there's no doubt. And obviously the, the, the most famous story that people are familiar with when it goes, comes to Coach Carter is, you know, the Richmond Oilers. And I remember being in the Bay Area when that was going on live and you were coaching those kids up. Uh, when, you, when you think back to those teams and, and, and what you were able to do with that program, what are your thoughts? Man, I just truly enjoy it. And, Q, this is what I really uh, uh, just – now you're looking at 20 years later – and I told people back then, I said, I don't know what type of coach I was 20 years from now when I see the success of these boys. And Q, that's the most successful group of young men who ever attended Richmond High School. Wow. Hands down. And, and we had, on, in that contract now, everybody thought it was a basketball contract. It was a human relation contract. It was about skill development contracts. And Q, I wanted our boys to become high school grads, not high school dads. Mm-hmm. And now that 20 years later that they are dead, they are some of the greatest fathers in the world. I am extremely proud of them. And, Q, check this out. All the boys had girls, and the girls are more talented than their dads. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it is. <laughs> that's exactly how That's how it goes. And, you know, one of the things I've always admired about you, Coach, is that, you know, the attention to detail and, and the fact that, you know, you always wanted – uh, you know, the, even like your book, Yes, Ma'am, No, Sir, right? You wanted to make sure that kids were, they understood, you know, uh, to be polite and to have some manners. And that goes a long way. And a lot of time that attention to detail is overlooked. But you never overlooked that. That was always something that was very important to you. Q, that would never have been a movie called Coach Carter if I didn't say yes, ma'am, and no, sir. And that just comes from my upbringing with my grandparents and my parents. And they couldn't remember my name in Hollywood, Q. 
But they said, the real polite young man. And they go, oh, that's Coach Carter. The one who <laughs> says, yes, ma'am, and no, sir. They said, oh, that's, that's Coach Carter. And so I was known as the gentleman around Hollywood as being the polite young man. That is funny. That is funny. But, Coach, it's so important, and I think that it gets overlooked. And I, I, I realize this all the time. I'll, I'll go to the grocery store, and I'll buy something, and the person will say, here you go. And i say, thanks, I appreciate you. And they'll almost look at me like I cursed at them because I say I appreciate them. Like it's foreign, and it shouldn't be foreign, Coach. Yes, you're right. And, Q, I think once we get back to just the basic fundamentals of this thing called life, I think we win. People have to understand you do not get paid by the hour. You get paid by the value you bring to the hour. And we must always do more than what we're paid for as an investment in our future. Yeah, you're right about that. We definitely need to continue to invest in our future. And so, Coach, you guys have a game tomorrow. Uh, what's, what's, what's the team like that you're playing against? What, what are your expectations for tomorrow night's game? Well, Q, tomorrow's game, is that those guys are in trouble because we had a great week of practice. Um, our guys, uh, the first week when the lights came on, they just was not ready to play. And, you know, I take full responsibility for that. But guess what? We're ready to play now. Uh, RQ, you'll see uh, uh, 12 guys running on the street with rumble shirts on, and they'll be running 10 miles. <laughs> <laughs> so they better be ready. <laughs> and doing some push-ups. <laughs> I know, I know that. <laughs> that's funny. I, they, that's and, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> With all this heat, Q, they got to get it done, I, you know. And I tell people, it's okay to lose a game here and there, and I'm not used to losing, Q. Simple I know. That. So we're just going to simply snap it on, Q, and, and, and go out and get it done. Well, and that's the thing. When you were coaching slam ball before, and you know, when it, when it first was around, I mean, you were first place, first place, first place, championship game. I mean, that's what you do, and you're a winner. You know about winning. How has that, how has that uh, you know, approach been with the, the players? Like, they know what your reputation is. How much pride do they take in, hey, we got to go get it done because, well, we know Coach knows what he's talking about. Yes, sir. You know, honestly, Q, it's just by getting people on the same page and uh, getting them to believe in a system. And then we just simply go get it done. We don't make no excuses. We just simply go get it done. And Q, I tell them all the time, honestly, I don't accept any excuses because I don't make any excuses. Yeah. <laughs> so they tell my coach, I slip. I said, you better slip in practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Slip in practice. <laughs> Don't slip in a game. Don't slip in a game. Well, coach, I'm excited about the game. Again, you guys play tomorrow. You're going up against the Slashers. That's the uh, the first game. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Checking out your team over at the Cox Pavilion. Thanks so much for your time. I really do appreciate you. Hey, Q. Listen, I, I appreciate you. And listen, I'm just really proud of you, young man. How you have just matured into a, a very fine young man and and the people that respect you over the years from the bay area uh to texas and now you're here in vegas young man you just continually do the good work i will coach that means a lot to me thank you so much i really do appreciate that you're welcome young man all right i'll see you tomorrow coach there he goes coach carter the real coach carter right there uh the head coach there the slam ball the rumble 
The Rumble's playing tomorrow at the Cox Pavilion. It is a, a fun timeout. Coach has been a winner. You know, I didn't realize that he was coaching slam ball back in the day. I was doing a little bit of research, doing a little bit of, you know, show prep is what we like to call it, and realized that, you know, his team's first place, first place, first place, playing in the championship game, playing in the championship game, right? They're 0-2 right now, so I know Coach is not excited about that, but you heard what he said, Ari. <laughs> if they're not ready tomorrow, <laughs> you'll see them out on the street. You'll see them on the strip. Instead of, instead of having a good time on the strip, they'll be in their Rumble shirts running in this heat they'll be ready to go so i have no doubt that coach will have them ready i'm ready to go right now that was very very uh, motivating like i'm ready to go run play some right. ball get my butt whooped hey i'll <laughs> tell you man coach coach has you know that books out coach is a motivational speaker coach is a coach teacher whatever the case may be man he uh, put together a, a nice little school in in marlin texas and anyone who's from texas and and, and knows the marlin it's not the it's not the the best area, but put together a, a nice school uh, so so boys can go and, and get an education and learn manners and uh, everything, get coached up. And so it's it's really good, man. He's been putting together a lot of good stuff. And even when I was at a radio station in, in Texas, used to always participate and help us out with different events and make sure that he goes and, and talks to the young people. And as I mentioned, uh, there's no BS when I say that, man. He took my son over to Baylor University, introduced him to Coach Scott Drew, and was like, "Hey, uh, I'm just gonna shoot over here. I'm gonna I'm gonna be down here playing pickup with this young man." And and did and did that. So when myself and Lil Q saw him uh, last week at the Cox Pavilion, like Lil Q doesn't talk a whole lot. He's not me. Like I'm the one who's always talking. He's kind of quiet and reserved and everything. As soon as he saw Coach, he just jumped up out of his seat. Was like, "Hey, Coach, how you doing?" Like he's. Like, that, that was his homeboy or something because that, that's how much he appreciated the fact that he took him to the school and uh, was coaching him up and, and letting him shoot and, and just kind of talking to him about life and talking to him about basketball and, and all that good stuff. So definitely appreciate Coach, and I'll definitely check him out tomorrow at the Cox Pavilion as his team will be in action. 4.13 is the time. What we'll do is we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get to some sound from Patrick Graham. And uh, we heard from Patrick Graham, actually. We'll hear from A.J. Cole, Colton Miller, Chandler Jones. Those are the guys that met with us earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We have reason or excuse on the way. We've got more winning on the way. We've got a lot on the way in a short amount of time to get it. But uh, many thanks to Coach Ken Carter for giving us a few minutes of his time this afternoon. This is Red Nation Radio 920. We're not running the ball. We're blocking. If we're not blocking, we're running the route. We're always doing something. Only time when they choose to say that it's devalued is when it's time to pay the running back. You know, So they're really choosing when to say to devalue the position. It's not devalued at all. They just don't want to pay a running back. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Steelers running back Najee Harris right there. Saying the running back's not devalued. They just don't want to pay him. Interesting, uh, you know, interesting point of view from Najee. I understand what he's talking about. Because these teams could, even if they don't want to break the bank, they can still pay a little bit more. Right, Christian McCaffrey got sixteen million, but you know, to the people that say don't pay a running back, he got sixteen million a year, and what did he Im- immediately do? He got injured. <laughs> he got injured. As a matter of fact, he stayed injured for the most part until he got traded to the Forty ers and all of a sudden, suddenly he was as healthy as it gets. So there's that. But Najee Harris talking about the running back position. I did want to talk about uh, and give an update. Speaking of injuries, want to talk about Jalen Ramsey. This is from Ian Rappaport, NFL Network. More information and clarity on Dolphins star cornerback Jalen Ramsey. Sources say while no firm determination will be made until surgery, which he's getting tomorrow, by the way, the likely outcome is a full meniscus repair, bringing Ramsey back in December if all goes well. The best and healthiest option. Jalen Ramsey just tweeted out a few minutes ago, 
that end of the season push is going to be legendary. So what I thought was going to be a simple arthroscopic knee surgery sounds like it's not going to be a simple arthroscopic knee surgery. It's going to actually be a meniscus, a full meniscus repair, which will bring him back if all goes well in December. Not ideal. Definitely not what the Dolphins are looking for as they made the trade for Jalen Ramsey so they can shore up that defense. That That's very unfortunate, but if you're the Dolphins, you're hoping that you're in the mix, you're playing some good ball, led by your offense, and by the time he gets back, he's he's ready to help you go on a nice playoff run. That's what you're hoping, but less than ideal for the Miami Dolphins, of course, quarterback Jalen Ramsey. Uh, there's continuing to be monitoring on what's going on with Joe Burrow, who was carted off of practice earlier today. Uh, the word is he has a calf strain, but there's no uh, definition on exactly what he's going to miss, how much time he's going to miss, uh, if it's something that he just has to sit out the rest of the training camp and let it heal on its own. It's just one of those situations. Head coach Zach Taylor says Burrow's injured, Burrow injured his right calf. So that's all we really know about that as of right now. So we'll see uh, what goes, goes on with those guys. But you never want to see an injury or hear about injuries in training camp. That is the absolute worst. Now, did want to get to a couple sound bites that I had uh, from earlier today when – these different players and coaches met with us at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Of course, we'll be back at it tomorrow, 8.30 to about 10, 8.30 to about 10.15. We'll be there for practice, and then we'll start the media session around 10.30. And then, of course, this show will come generated tomorrow from the Aces, their facility that's right next to the Raiders facility. But this one, let's go to Chandler Jones, Ari. My man Ari's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. He's holding it down. I'm holding it down at the house uh, this afternoon. Definitely appreciate him and his efforts. So here's Chandler Jones, who, as I mentioned in the first hour, if you're just tuning in, he had a little bit of an edge to him. Not a disrespectful edge, because I know sometimes when I say edge, I mean like a little something in your neck and you really kind of stand offish. I don't mean it like that, but it was almost as a matter of fact at times. And there was even one time when he answered uh, a question, and after he was done, he continued to stare at the person that asked the question. Again, not in a disrespectful way, but almost like a, just trying to make a point of emphasis. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's hard to define because, again, sometimes it sounds like I mean that they were almost being disrespectful, and he wasn't at all. I mean, if you watched it, you, you'll see, you know, he was laughing and joking and everything, but it just you could tell he had a little bit, a little bit of edge to Chandler Jones, and that's okay. And matter of fact, this is the question that he had that, that, that little bit of a stare following. This was about him being hungry after the injury. And what we mean by that, the question that was kind of posed to him was more about when he got injured last year, which was in that Christmas Eve game against the Steelers, he was playing the best ball of the season. He was on a nice little stretch. So how does, you know, can that kind of play into this season and he stay hungry at that level after that injury? I, I understand that being injured uh, is, is a part of the game. Um, I don't want to label a, a good or a bad stretch. Um, in this profession, you'll have a good game, you'll have a bad game if you look at the stats. Uh, my biggest thing always was just um, being graded well. And at the end of the day, if I went back and sat down with the coaches and they said, hey, you did your job, you got an A grade, then I was fine if it was a sack or not. Um, but the biggest thing is just being consistent, um, doing your job putting the team first, and always ignoring the noise. <laughs> and that was it right there. Always ignoring the noise. Stare. Pause, right? And then what they say? Pause. <laughs> and, and it's funny because after after he left the podium, I asked, you know, I asked a couple people, I was like, did he, did he kind of look a little bit longer and kind of pause there? And they're like, yeah, we saw a little something. Again, it was not disrespectful. Do, please do not get it. 
get it twisted. But you could tell he had a little bit of a you know point of emphasis. But look, the reality of it is, and and Vinny pointed it out when when he joined the show in the first hour. What Dave Ziegler and company paid him to do, he did not do. Right? He had four and a half sacks. He had the one big play against the Patriots. But all in all, even though every player in the locker room told us how much he meant to the team, Max Crosby, Nate Hobbs, Trayvon Merrick, Amik Robertson, all those guys, Jerron Harmon, all told us how much he worked in practice and how much he really helped that locker room. I get that. But at the end of the day, what they paid him for was also to get to the quarterback, get some strip sacks, help out Mad Max Crosby, and he didn't do it enough. He was on a nice little stretch when he got hurt. So the question that was posed to him wasn't wrong, but you know, clearly when he says block out the outside noise, he hears the outside noise. And that's that's just what it is. That's natural. That's that's you know, that's that's just how it is. People are gonna hear everything. Uh also something that we've been really uh very you know, as a matter of fact, about talked about a lot is the defense being disruptive. You heard Coach Patrick Graham say that earlier. So here's Chandler Jones on really how the defense can be disruptive. Any negative plays. Um, and, and being disruptive doesn't mean uh, having a sack. It doesn't mean making a tackle for loss. Um, you could blow up a guy into the backfield and, and, and knock him to someone else and make the quarterback trip and fall or something like that. So being disruptive is just having a presence um, and – if, if everyone on the D-line or and the defense could have that kind of mentality, being disruptive but not just trying to make a play, everyone just standing in their gap, you'll be fine. Everyone just doing their job. Chandler Jones right there talking about how the defense could be disruptive, and that's got to be the point of emphasis. It is really – and I know people are going to get tired of hearing about the defense, and I know people got tired of talk, hearing about the defense last year. I brought up the defense quite a bit, and there was plenty of times that I got a lot of pushback. Can't talk about the defense. They ain't – Invested no money in the defense. They haven't invested anything in the defense. Well, they have now. If you didn't think they did last year, even though I, I pushed back on that as well, if you didn't think they've invested anything in the defense last year, they have this year. There's a lot of young dudes on the defense. There's a lot of draft picks on the defense. There's free agents that they brought in on the defense. They, they did a lot on the defense. And I'm not saying that every move that they made is going to come out and work and end up turning that defense around, but it's got to be a point of emphasis. It's got to be something that they harp on. I believe the offense will be fine. I really do. Uh, and maybe I'm, you know, foolishly believing that. And, and if so, so be it. I'll, I'll come out and say that, hey, I was absolutely wrong about the offense. But the defense has got to be where, where they make their way this year. They've got to find a way to get it done defensively. And I, I think that early in the season, it may, you may see a few shootouts, right? You may see some, some games where the offense has to do the heavy lifting. But I would say by the time that, that fourth game is over, you know, they they go to Denver, they go to Buffalo, they come back home and uh, and and host Pittsburgh, primetime action. Then they go to L.A. By the time that Charger game is over, I think you'll have a good idea what this defense is going to be. And I think you should have a good idea what the defense can. They they can't wait until December for the defense to start to come together. They've got to their defense has got to start clicking and gelling sometime in September, if not sooner. So. Here's Chandler Jones just talking about defense, and we're continuing to talk about improvements, what they need to do to be able to improve. To be honest, I don't think we have to do anything miraculous. We don't have to do anything new. Uh, we have to listen to the coaches. We have to uh, really dig deep and, and kind of grab what's being told to us, and it has to be second nature. Uh, if we get a guy, we get 11 guys out there that's not thinking and just flying, oh, it's, it's dangerous. That's on any team, not just this team. But uh, ultimately, that's what training camp is for. Guys are gelling together. 
guys are getting familiar with the coaching style, what he likes to call in third and whatever, second whatever. And I'm speaking from the defensive standpoint. Um, just guys not thinking and just playing, uh, you'll get a lot of better ball that way. A thinking man is a slow man. I don't care what you play. I don't care what you do. If you're thinking, you're going to be reacting slow. I don't care what job you're in. I don't care what sport you're playing. Whatever you're thinking about, if you can go out there and just naturally react and go, it's going to be a lot quicker. It's going to be a lot faster. It's going to be a lot more effective than if you have to think about your every step. And that's something that we've said so many times. And you could tell at times when the Raiders' defense was thinking. And you can go back to, you know, when they had Paul Gunther as their defensive coordinator and how complicated their defense was, right? What did we always say? You can see the guys out there thinking. When they had Gus Bradley, he, he made everything. He simplified everything. And it wasn't a great defense at all, right? They still statistically struggled. But there was times where they made plays and there was times they got off the field, you know, pretty quickly and get off the field on third down because they weren't thinking. They were just flying around to the ball. Patrick Graham's scheme I don't think is very complicated. He wants to do multiple things, sure. I don't think it's that complicated, but the guys that are out there executing it, they can't think. The minute you think is the minute you take that bad angle. The minute you think is the minute where, you know, you take one step towards the middle like my dumb self did playing a corner, and all of a sudden, hey, the spot I was supposed to be at, the ball's going over my head, right? That's because I was thinking. I thought I was going to be cute. I thought I was going to make a play. I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't, right? I mean, and, and that's just, you know, that's just making it as simple and understandable as possible, but that's the reality of it. You know, if, if Trayvon Merrick takes one or two steps in when he really should be taking a step to the right, guess what? He's beat. These guys are so damn good that – you take one misstep, two missteps, you're out of the play already. And now you're, you're hoping that your brother comes and cleans it up for you. You know, and that's why the play that Amik Robertson made on Devontae Adams yesterday was pretty impressive because he was beat. And he was able to recover and, and still be, go and get his hand in there and make the play. And that just shows that he wasn't going to give up on it. He was beat. Devontae had a nice route on him, stopped on a dime, came back. Everyone said, ooh. And then Amik got his hand in there. You know, but he didn't. The one thing I can say is he, he, was, he didn't go in and Devontae go out. If that had happened, it's a wrap. What he was doing was still kind of in his back pedal, you know, starting to open up his hips and run with them, and that's when Devontae stopped. So he was still able to, you know, turn and run, run back towards the wide receiver. But if he had decided that he was going to get cute and think that Devontae was going to run an in route and he tried to jump it and go in and Devontae went out, guess what? Ooh, and it would have been a catch. It's just that simple. So that's, that's why you can respect a play like, like uh, you saw Meek Robertson make. So th those guys have to be able to make plays like that more often. And, again, I've, I've given Devon Diablo – I know I've given him a little bit of dirt for putting the ball on the ground a couple times, but to his credit, he's got his hands on the ball a couple times. And, and that's just him making the play. That's just him being there and not completing the play, but that's him being there and aware and not thinking, just going out and executing. Now, it's easy, again, I mentioned earlier in the show, it's easy not to think when you don't have anybody that's about to come clean your clock, when you don't have pads on, when you're just running in, in shorts and, and a T-shirt and a helmet. You've got to be able to do that, you know, and, and, and you've got to be able to do it when pads are on. You've got to be able to do it when, it when it counts in the preseason game. So we'll see. Again, it's the early stages. It's the ramp-up period, early stages. 431 is the time. Hey, do we need to take a break real quick, Ari? I can do whatever you want. How's that? Okay. I just I'm I'm trying to see what's going on. There's seem like there's a lot of uh activity going on in the home studio. So I want to make sure I don't, you know, what I gotta do here. We we good? 
Yeah, let's go. Uh, let's listen to AJ Cole. All right, He's AJ Cole. It's another guy that I wanted to make sure I brought a few sound bites to the table from uh, when he was at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Had his little media center, or media session earlier. And one of the big things that we've talked about when it comes to AJ Cole and Daniel Carlson as well is just the fact that the special teams unit has a new long snapper. Right, Trent Sieg has been there for a while. Uh, we knew that all three of those guys, Carlson Sieg and A.J. Cole, got along really well. They were always seen together, always hanging out together, and they, they, they formed a really good group. So when Trent Sieg was let go, everyone thought, oh, no, you know what, what's, what's going to happen with that, that crew right there? Are they going to be able to be the same battery that they've been? Because they are really good. So here's A.J. Cole talking about adjusting to a new long snapper. Yeah, I mean, we're still just trying to get as many reps logged between now and the season starts. I mean, that's kind of – a race to get better at this point of the year. Um, so being able to go through these couple weeks here, headed into joint practice and preseason, all those reps are going to be uh, really valuable for us just so that we go into the season as comfortable as possible. But, yeah, we're still building that trust, building that chemistry. Got to build the trust, got to build the chemistry. It's only, you know, two days in, obviously, to training camp. They had uh, mandatory mini camp. They had OTAs, and I'm sure that they've done some work, uh, to, you know, off to the side as well and, and work on their own. But that's something that's important. The Raiders kickers, both Carlson and A.J. Cole, are two of the best in the league. And we all, as Raider fans, know what it's like when the long snapper ain't right. <laughs> right? All I can remember is seeing that ball flying over Shane Leckler's head so many times. I don't know. I don't know. Don't know if they're playing the Chargers, who they're playing, but man, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad, and that's when you re really respect the long snapper when you realize how important he is when the snap goes bad. So they've got to be able to get on the same page. So what actually makes a really good long snap? Well, AJ Cole was asked that question as well. Yeah, I mean, you're looking for the location. Um, you wanted to be in the same place every time where I'm comfortable catching it at. Um, you want a tight spiral similar to, you know, a receiver trying to catch a ball from a quarterback. You want a tight spiral so it's not moving all over the place, hitting weird parts of your hands. Um, and then on field goals, right, you want the laces out every time um, so that I don't have to spin. I can just put it down and Daniel can see the ball for a long time. Um, so, yeah, speed, location, accuracy, spiral, all those things. And that's all stuff that we're, you know, looking at in our room, grading off of and everything. And I, I promise you, a lot of people just look at it and say, oh, just snapping the ball. <laughs> right? But he, you just heard the details of what he's looking for. On field goal attempts, he's the one holding. Right? And what do we always say? Laces out! <laughs> you don't have to be a big sports fan to know what laces out means. Right? Laces Damn. out! <laughs> it's, just, it's just that simple. But, you know, even, even when he's punting, what, you know, what he's looking for, he wants that right in the same spot every time. Wants that tight spiral every time. So that's, I mean, that's so important to do. So when these guys are off to the side, you know, as I mentioned before, there's three fields there at the Raiders facility. When they're on one field and that's all they're working on, that's why they're working on that. That's why that they're spending all that extra time just together. Snap, catch, punt, snap, catch, punt, snap, catch, punt. Right? I mean, that, that's just that's what they're doing because they're trying to get it perfected. Because if you can, if you get a good snap, you get a good hold, you're going to get a good kick. If you get a good snap, if he gets it in his hands right where he wants it, boom, it's going to be a good punt. And we, we, we will talk about Cash, Cash Carlson, right? Because he, he's that guy. He's making all, all the kicks. But there's a lot that goes into it, right? It's, it's got to be a good snap. It's got to be a good hold to make it a good kick. Same thing with punts. A.J. Cole's one of the best in the business. There's no doubt about it. He's one of the best in the business because he gets the ball where he needs it in his sweet spot and makes it happen. 
couple more sound bites from AJ Cole, then we'll take a break. Come back with uh, reason or excuse. How about Jimmy G? Everybody's been asked about Jimmy G. I asked Colton Miller about Jimmy G earlier. You know, being a new, you know, a new quarterback and it's different. It's the first time as a new quarterback in Colton Miller's career. You know, he's been he's been protecting Derek Carr since so he's been in the league. And I don't know if he maybe I didn't ask the question right, but he didn't really didn't really answer it the way I was thinking he was going to answer it. Like it was what it was different, you know, from from Jimmy G or from Derek Carr to Jimmy G. But AJ Cole was also asked about Jimmy G, and he asked what surprises him about Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, he's just easy to talk to. Like he's a very down to earth, uh, normal guy. Um, and you know, we can sit down like yesterday, me, Jesper and Amir were sitting there. We were talking about like aliens. You've seen all this UFO stuff that they're talking about. We we're discussing that, just kind of getting everybody's thoughts. And he was like sitting down like, Oh, what are you guys talking about? Aliens? Oh yeah. I got a couple thoughts. Um, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, like, I don't want to tell you anybody's personal opinions on aliens. That's kind of like a private matter, I would say. But, uh, yeah, he was fully participating in the conversation. He's like, yeah, let's go. Like, let's talk about this. <laughs> so there's AJ Cole and the only way AJ Cole could explain something right and they actually got into a conversation about aliens and and all that and I'm not going to bring that to the table but uh you know Jimmy G everybody has talked about him is just like he's a down-to-earth dude he's just one of the dudes right Max Crosby called him a dog yesterday right a guy that that talks trash or was talking trash to uh you know to him before practice I mean it just everything sounds really good when it comes to Jimmy G, and and you could understand why all the places he's been, and particularly San Francisco, everyone got along with him. He just seems like he's one of those guys, regardless of what you feel about him as a player, regardless if you feel about his his injury history. The dude just sounds like he's one of the guys. Like you know, there's certain guys that you just can't be mad at. You can't have a problem with because why would you? <laughs> right? I mean, you just can't be mad at certain guys. And and he just seems like he's one of those cats. Well, uh, the final soundbite, I think this one's gotten a lot of play so far on social media today, ever since uh, A.J. Cole mentioned it. He was asked about the new guys, and they have a lot of new guys on the roster. Just kind of what his overall feeling is about them. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know about the football aspect of it, but his guys, everybody's great. Everybody's awesome to be around. Um, yeah, I mean, like, Jimmy Hoyer and um, Aiden, they've been great to get to know, um, get to talk to all those guys. So I, I can't say enough about the quality of person we have in the locker room, um, talking to them at the lunchroom, getting to know them in the locker room, weight room, all that stuff. Everybody's awesome. We don't have any divas. We don't have any head cases. we got a lot of people that are uh, fun to be around, competitive, motivated, but like also just regular people. AJ Cole right there talking about the new guys. And as you heard him say, he doesn't know about the football side because he hasn't, hasn't been out there with them that much. But uh, the part that's been catching a lot of play is the divas and the head cases. And so, of course, everything that someone says has got to be broken down to the, you know, what does he mean by that? Who's he talking about? Is he pointing the finger at someone? Who's he, is, is, who's he talking about, right? I mean, it's, it's always got to be that. And, look, he could be talking about nobody. He could just say that, hey, we don't have any divas or any head cases in our locker room. He doesn't necessarily mean to say, not necessarily saying, well, we had head cases in Divas last year, and it's a lot better. I mean, he's not necessarily saying that. I'm not saying he's not saying that, but just because he said there's no Divas or head cases doesn't mean that all of a sudden he's pointing the finger at somebody else. But, man, that's been catching a lot of uh, uh, play on social media ever since he said that. But uh, I think it's good that at least you like the guys, and when I say you, I mean him, likes the guys that he's going to work with. Because when you like the people that work around you, it's a lot easier to work, regardless what you do. If you like the people that are around you, it's a lot easier to go out there and do what you do. I No joke. I used to do a radio show. I did it for years. It was called Unnecessary Roughness, just like this one. 
I did it with Craig Smoke. We couldn't stand each other. I mean, seriously, we could not stand each other. For one reason or the other, we didn't like each other, and that's fine. So we did a really good radio show together, and as soon as we went to break, guess what? Silent. It was crickets. I didn't want to talk to him. He didn't want to talk to me. After the show, there was never like, hey, man, you want to go get something to eat? It was like, see you tomorrow. If that, right? I always used to tell everybody because, like, man, you guys must be really good friends. You guys sound really good on there. I was like, nope. When, when I get to the, the street corner, I go right, and he goes left. <laughs> right? We meet back in the middle tomorrow at the same time, same channel, and call it a day. It sucks. It really does. I never want to be in a situation, especially in a job like this, where you don't like where the, you don't like the people that you work with. That's a terrible feeling. But that's how it was. And you you know you adapt, you improvise, you you overcome, you you deal with it. But it's it's terrible. So if you're in a situation where you can work and enjoy your job and enjoy the people around you, it just makes your experience that much better and gives you an opportunity to go out there and do your job at the highest level without having to. Basically, fake it until you make it. So there's A.J. Cole talking about the new players in the locker room. They have no issues. They have no problems. So that is at least a good sign on day two of training camp. How about we hook something up? Because I like everybody. <laughs> I like everybody. So how about we hook up caller number nine right now? We're going to get you qualified for four tickets to an Aviators game. More importantly, it's a load of summer of fun. So what we're going to try to do is uh, you get those Aviator tickets. That's going to get you one step closer to a four-day trip to Orlando's Disney World, Orlando Universal Studios, plus a tour of the Kennedy Space Center. Or you can take the cash, $3,000 cash. Again, it's a Lotus Summer Fund. But right now you've got to get that first step, which is getting qualified for the four tickets to the Aviators game. 702-365-9200. Call number nine is what we're looking for. Spanish Radio 920. It's time for a reason or excuse on Unnecessary Roughness. Here we go. Uh, shout out to Brad. He is the winner of, uh, or not the winner, he's qualified for four tickets to an Aviators game. So shout out to him. What's up, Brad? What's up, Q? What's up, B-Rad? B-Rad. There you go. <laughs> all right, ready to do this? Yeah, man. Go on, go on hit me, I man. Go all hit me. smoke. Sean Payton, you know I'm going there. Yes. Fired shots at Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, so the Broncos sucked last year, 5-12, and 12, yep. but despite having, you know, a couple good spots on the roster, he called it, quote, one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL about Hackett's uh, coaching job. And, quote, everything I heard about last season, we're doing the opposite. So, did the Broncos suck simply because of Hackett's horrible coaching? Is that the reason or is that an excuse? Um, It's a little bit of both. It is a reason. He stunk as a coach. It's the reason why he didn't make it through one year. He That's why he got fired. But it's not only just his coaching, but it was also the the – the leash that he allowed Russell Wilson, and maybe leash is not the right word, but the leeway that he allowed Russell Wilson to have, where basically he had the run of the mill. He could do anything that he wanted to do. So, yeah, no, it is it is a reason why they were terrible. It's on, it's on Nathaniel Hackett. I agree. I think that the Broncos should be ashamed of themselves because they hired a guy that clearly was not a, a head coach to be a head coach because they thought that 12 was going to follow him in Aaron Rodgers. So that's on them. They also made a trade for the second best guy that they wanted and also gave him a contract extension that they didn't have to. They also gave him the keys to the, the facility and said, here, do whatever you want. Yeah, bring any guys that you want in here. I don't care your entourage. They can come hang out with us or hang out in the building. It's all good. So a lot of that was on the organization. So Sean Payton, all the fire, all the shots fired that he, he had when he talked to Jarrett Bell earlier and, and that, you know, that scathing report that everybody's been talking about all day, was all right. Now, where, where he went wrong, this and this is on Sean Payton, where he went wrong 
was talking about the Jets. The Jets didn't have nothing to do with that situation. And if the Jets went and hired Nathaniel Hackett, which they did, because, well, they wanted to help lure 12, which they got, that's on them. Robert Sala and company ain't got nothing to do with what happened in Denver. Nothing. So where Sean Payton was wrong was he let the Jets' name come out of his mouth. He should have stuck with Denver and said what happened here was bad, what happened here was a blank show, and what happened here will not be a blank show this year. But he should have squarely stayed here on his house. Like, I can't talk about my neighbors, man. I got my own house to clean. Exactly. I can't talk about, well, hey, you know what? This was a terrible blank show here. It ain't going to be that this year. Oh, and by the way, that blank show over there is bad too. Wait, wait, what are you talking about? Yeah, tell me what you're doing. Tell me right, what you're exactly. Doing. So he was not wrong until he brought the Jets into it. Let, let Nathaniel Hackett's in New York, fine. Let them deal with that problem. He's only the offensive coordinator. He's not the head coach. And look, some will say that what Sean Payton did in the last couple of years in New Orleans was a blank show and that he went and retired because he couldn't take the heat. So, again, worry about your house. Don't worry about their house. I like it. All right. Uh, great segue here. Speaking of the house, the Aces, Tom Brady. Yeah, I made that happen. There is a report for Tom Brady acquiring a portion of the Raiders could potentially not happen after all, per Mike Florio. The NFL, NFL's recent decision to block the distribution of equity to players and other employees has one specific impact on a former, for now, player who is or perhaps was poised to become an owner. So apparently this new rule complicates Tom Brady's effort to acquire a portion of the Raiders. I want to know, uh, this is just an excuse, right? Because, like, Tom Brady always gets what he wants in the NFL. Am I wrong with that? I mean, every time. He does, but, and I think you brought this up before. Remember, he wanted to be a part owner slash player of Miami, right? And that's Ah. why Miami lost their their draft pick, their first-round draft pick, because of the tampering. I say that in air quotes. (laughs) So it sounds like this is, to me, and I don't know every letter of the law when it comes to this new rule, also in air quotes, it sounds like it's an excuse by the NFL to not give Brady what he wants because Brady always gets what he wants. I feel like it's kind of a, hey, you know what? You're not going to get some ownership that easy. You've been trying to do this for now for a while. We're going to find a way to not allow you to get it. Again, I don't know if that's exactly 100% accurate, but I feel like it's kind of an excuse to not allow him to get what he's looking to try to get. Yeah, or also, I mean, you got to think of not that there's that many Tom Brady's, but I you, ain't got to think about it, damn. You got you got to uh, <laughs> maybe set the tone as far as like if there's future occasions that are similar to this, you kind of want to put the foot down now, I guess, and use him as an example. Oddly enough, Tom Brady. Yeah, I don't know about I don't know I don't know about using him as an example. I think it's more of a personal thing. Yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's I don't know if it's towards everybody else. I think it's 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 more personal because of what happened before. With Miami, I think it's more of a him thing as opposed to, uh, you know, hey, this is an example for everybody who tries to do. You know, I just I think it's like I said, I think it's a TB12 type situation. Yeah. Isn't it always anyway? Yeah, (laughs) it sounds like it. Everything. But yeah, so excuse for me. So there we go. We're at one reason, one excuse. Go and hit me with one more as a tiebreaker. All right. Uh, Well, I'm going to have you give me your reason or excuse why the following free agents are still available. Okay. We'll do, I guess, as many as we can in the time. Starting with linebacker Will Compton, who you definitely told me yesterday how you He's thought. not very good. <laughs> that's that's a reason. Boom. <laughs> Dalvin Cook. Um, He's about to be signed by the Jets. Uh, I think he was just waiting for the Jets to move around some money so they can give him a little bit extra. 
All right. Kareem Hunt? Um, He's okay. When a guy gets injured, he'll get signed. All right. Uh, we'll go over two quarterbacks. Matt Ryan. He's old and not good. He's gonna be in the he's gonna be in the broadcast booth. He's done. He's washed. The only time the last time he had a good play was against the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium when he rolled out. <laughs> Speaking of wash, uh, Carson Wentz. Well, he's washed. He's terrible. He was on his last legs when he was in Indianapolis, and Washington decided to trade for him. And he was even on his worst legs then. So yeah, he'll get a job if somebody needs a quarterback badly. Like, he's probably a guy that was at the house thinking, well, maybe my phone's going to ring because Joe Burrow just got injured. But it looks like Joe Burrow escaped massive injury or major injury. So I think Carson Wentz's phone stays uh, quiet. Yep. And uh, one more uh, fan favorite here, Yannick Ngwakwe. Good question. (laughs) Good question. Uh, Complicated. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know if it's money. I don't know if it's the right situation. Uh, you know, he's been on a bunch of teams in the last few years. I know it's a, uh, a storyline he doesn't like to talk about, but it's the truth. But I do know one thing. You want guys that can affect the quarterback, he can affect the quarterback. He'll give you eight sacks a season. That's what I do know. So it could be don't want to go to training camp right now. He's weighing his options. But uh, I said it the other day, and I'll say it again. If the Raiders want to bring someone in on the defensive line, go on and call Yon up. <laughs> Unique and Gakwe can get it done. I'm, I'm good with that. So there you go. That's the, that's that's the only one that that I look at that list and I'm like, yeah, go ahead and sign that dude. All right, so it's like a million reasons and two excuses. I think we ended up with. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So what do you got for National Day of the Day as we close? Yeah, things right out? into it. Uh, you don't strike me as you're not a huge drinker, but do you drink scotch? No. Mm-hmm. Um, every once in a while, like if I'm hanging out with somebody that's that's above my pay grade, maybe they'll be like, oh, Q, you need to try the scotch. I'll be like, okay, and it's not really my thing, um, but. So today's a scotch day? Yes. And uh, by the way, not so much the pay grade, but I know someone that loves his scotch, and that would be uh, our very own Jared Justice. Jared shouldn't be drinking no scotch. No, he shouldn't, but he would make he would. That's <laughs> the guy who not, would get Jared you. Jared is not a scotch guy. Jared is uh, like <laughs> cheap whiskey at the Holy. at the dollar store. Yeah, he's like a Paul Masson and Pepsi type guy. Wow, Paul Masson. I haven't heard yeah, that. Like Thunderbird and Grape Kool-Aid Ooh. type guy. He's wow. definitely not a scotch guy. He's a guy that gets the cheapest of the cheapest drinks, and if it has alcohol in it, like rubbing alcohol, I can see him drinking before he drinks scotch. But, Amen. Well, you know. you're supposed to make a toast on National Scotch Day and share a drink with a friend. So, I'll share a, a drink with a friend. I don't have national radio to do tonight, so uh, oh, when the show go. gets wrapped up, I'll go ahead and I'll have a drink of something. It won't be scotch, <laughs> but it'll be something. But I'll, I'll pretend to celebrate National Scotch and Day. And you will remember to drink responsibly and never no. drink a drive. Of course, because I'm at home. There you that's go. what I'm going to do. I'm going <laughs> to stay at go. home. That's how I roll. So that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back at training camp tomorrow morning at 8.30. And, of course, the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. They'll be at the facility and this is Ray Nation Radio 920. Have a great evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. All right, great job, man. We definitely appreciate you and your fine work.